Hey, this is Chris. Before we start, I just want to take the opportunity to truly thank our sponsor, Zupan's Markets, for not only sticking with us and sponsoring these Right at the Moment podcasts for Right at the Fork, but for also being with us for many years now. I think we're going on three or four four years that Zupans has sponsored us, and Court and I are not only proud to have businesses like Zupans and Ringside Steakhouse and Toro Bravo sponsor the podcast. They're truly the perfect sponsors for our podcast. But also, uh, we're, we're, we love patronizing them, too. So these are truly businesses that we can stand behind and endorse and feel happy to tell you about. Uh, so regarding Zupans, a lot of you need to go grocery shopping. As you know, it's kind of a tenuous time to do so. So Zupans, um, I had gone a few weeks ago. I will tell you that between, I don't mean to ruin it, but between 7 and 8 o'clock, uh, there was barely anybody in the store. So it was a good time to go. But, um, but rest assured, Zupans is committed to serving you throughout these times. They've been working tirelessly to serve you. And each day these folks show up, of course, they probably don't want to be around anyone, but they're showing up to work ready to stock the shelves, clean the stores, and provide support and a listening ear for each customer that walks in the door. So um, they have asked us to communicate with you that uh, it wouldn't be a bad idea to be especially friendly to those associates who are coming into work now. Um, limit your shopping. It makes absolutely, they, they're asking one to two shoppers. I don't see why you need more than one shopper to go in. Uh, and get the uh, get the groceries for your family. Also, uh, try to plan as best as possible to make the shopping trip as efficiently as possible. It's really not a wise idea to go in for one or two items every day or every other day or every few days. Try to go in as little as possible. It seems odd to have a sponsor <laughs> and have us promote to you, please don't go in the store too much, but obviously it doesn't make a lot of sense right now to make multiple visits uh, when you go in. If you're using a reusable bag, um, they're going to ask you to bag your own groceries. And of course, the big one is if you have any symptoms of any illness, if you're coughing, then please uh, have some good judgment not to go into the store to um, to possibly uh, pass on whatever you have, whatever it may be, to those valued employees at Zupans. So that being said, here we go. Well, this is Right at the Fork. My name is Chris Angelus. And I am coming to you from my home in Manzanita with an, another edition of our, what is normally Portland's Food Scene Podcast. Still is, but it's been altered a little bit from featuring the stories of our tastemakers in Portland to the coronavirus stories of our restaurant owners and our tastemakers in Portland 
also. So the past month, we've been uh, chatting with folks who are dealing with the challenges that have come about as a result of this pandemic. Uh, many have had to alter their business plans, uh, scramble to figure out how to keep as many folks um, on their payroll getting paid for as long as possible, in this case, feeding them as well, um, and uh, reformulating the idea of their restaurants moving forward. So this um, is not something anybody anticipated, but everybody had to scramble to uh, figure out how best to deal with it. So um, my co-host, Court Johnson, is editing and putting this podcast up on your favorite podcast site for you to access. We hope you go back and listen to not only the last month of this Right in the Moment series, as we're calling it, but also six years of um, archives of over 240 interviews and some also some special uh, sound bites, we like to call them. Um, but the interviews should be of interest to you while you might have some time at home or walking around to uh, listen to a lot of episodes with a lot of folks. Uh, in this case, with Renee Gorham, Gorham, we've had her on the podcast a few times, once with her husband John, once alone. John, in turn, has been on the podcast a few times because these two are some of the key players in our Portland food world. They operate Toro Bravo Inc. And many of you would know Toro Bravo Inc. as the parent company of Toro Bravo, Mediterranean Exploration Company, Shalom Y'all, Tasty and Alder, Tasty and Daughters, Bless Your Heart Burgers, and of course, I think, did I mention Plaza del Toro? Um, so all these great places which are now serving takeout, some of them, and they're launching more takeout at more of their restaurants with each passing week. In this case, we talked to Renee about um, their program where they're feeding, um, feeding folks and allowing you the opportunity to purchase some food on others' behalf and to uh, donate it. To, to others, which is not only helping people in the community, but helping the Toro Bravo restaurant group uh, survive this pandemic and get through to the point where they can open and actually have dining service in their restaurants. Uh, Renee is one of my favorite people, as is John. Uh, full disclosure, by the way, they have been sponsoring the podcast this year, and uh, we are delighted to have such wonderful sponsors uh, for the podcast, and they've been supporting us, and of course, we always support what they do. So um, we had John and Renee on the podcast long before they were sponsors of ours, but now whenever we have them on, we must mention that disclosure. Um, we did have John Gorham on the podcast about a month ago, the week that everything started shutting down and going crazy, and we're pleased to hear that since then they've been able to um, make payroll and also pay rent, make some uh, agreements with their landlords. Um, and so I think in this episode, you listen to Renee, there's a slightly more optimistic tune 
tone tune. They're not, she's not going to be singing, but there's a slightly more optimistic tone to uh, what she has to say about the prospects of all the restaurants moving forward. Then the week that John wasn't exactly sure what he was going to do, and um, you know everybody was figuring it out at that point in time. So now that it's been about three weeks to a month, um, the dust hasn't completely settled. No one knows exactly when it will all blow over, but... Um, it's good to hear that Toro Bravo and Renee and John have um, continued with their plans to actually help the community while they're figuring it out how to sustain their business. So um, we think you'll enjoy this uh, short talk. I don't know how short it is. So about a half hour speak uh, talk with Renee Gorham on Saturday morning. April 11th, just to give you the um, frame frame of reference for the timeline of this podcast. Um, so take a listen and certainly go to torobravoinc.com um, and support their efforts in their restaurants um, to help everybody get through this. So we hope these podcasts are helpful to you. And again, go back and take a listen. Um, we've got a lot more, but in the moment... Listen to this one with Renee Gorham. There you are. You still there, Renee? I'm here. All right. It's great that you're there. So have you had the opportunity to spend some leisurely time at home that you may not have had before? You know, not really. I am such a, a doer and and I had to respond so quickly with you know, every innovative way that we could shift and pivot what we do as a company to, you know, keep going. Um, I definitely felt that moral conundrum of fear about leaving my home and, and, you know, being kind of considered in the essential, um, work field of, of food service. So I've been, um, essentially going to my office and to Plaza del Toro. Um, so extra time at home. No, not really. Not yet. So <laughs> how about John? Has he been spending some time at home because he's got some immunity issues that he's got to be a little more, I would imagine a little more careful. Yeah. You know, he's essentially going just from home to his office at Plaza del Toro. So we're both being extremely careful to limit the amount of people we're exposing ourselves to. Um, but you know, we, we have a, a restaurant group that still exists and we've got to do what we can to, to keep it going. So, um, you know, we are definitely spending evenings at home and weekends, um, because we, you know, we've got two girls and, and they need as much normalcy as possible. They're both, uh, you know, home all day, and we're lucky enough to have a, a nanny that's essentially quarantining with us. So um, figuring out how to homeschool the girls during this is a, a whole other layer um, and challenge on its own. That is crazy, the amount of challenges that you have. Uh, so not only as a mother, you know, to two kids and taking over their schooling all of a sudden, um, but, you know, a mother to how many restaurants? I'm sorry, I never remember. It changes. Oh, that's okay. Well, there's a lot of them. So we have nine locations. Right. Now. I was going to say eight or ten. So you hit it right in the middle. So nine, a mother to nine locations. So you've got, you know, unlike some people um, who have one restaurant, you've got to deal with nine. That 
you know, in better times, that comes with some some advantages and and um, efficiencies. But at this time, it's just an additional so many more problems to deal with multiplied. So you guys went out of the box, uh, of course, worrying about sustain sustaining yourselves and you're dealing with your employees. But um, the first, yeah, that was the first thing you worried about was feeding your employees and feeding people in need, correct? Absolutely, yeah. You know, we've, we've always had so much love for our community and for our staff. You know, we laid off about 275 people, which was just absolutely heartbreaking. Um, we still have about 90% of our team laid off and my first priority is to get people back to work as safely as possible and um, right now we have just four locations open doing takeout so um, that's that's one way we're, we're feeding the community and, and employing a small number of staff. Um, the very first thing we did when this reality came just crashing um, around us all, you know, we made the decision to, to close um, the day before the governor made the, um, the mandatory order to, to stop doing in, in-house dining. We transferred all of our food inventory over to Plaza del Toro and Mediterranean Exploration Company and just started sorting what was perishable, what needed to be used first. You know, food waste is just not something that we could accept on top of everything else just <clears throat> hitting us so hard. And so we immediately started giving away free bags of uh, either prepared food or ingredients, starting with the most perishable. And then we started making soups and freezing things, doing braises. So we're continuing to give away free food bags um, every Friday from 2 to 4 o'clock at Plaza del Toro. And I've had a really great response from both our, you know, our staff that's now unemployed coming to pick up food, as well as um, just so many people. Uh, it's amazing to actually hand those out. I did it yesterday from Plaza and to be able to, you know, see that immediate joy of people who are hungry getting a, a bag of fresh ingredients and produce and um, you know, prepared foods that they can they can feed their families over over a week's period of time with is a really incredible feeling. Yeah, there's. I think a lot of people must right now be struggling terribly because I don't think I, I, I may be. I haven't heard anybody actually collecting unemployment yet in the state of Oregon who filed because they're so far behind. I may be wrong, but I have yet to see anybody of all my friends on Facebook saying I got a check. So they and they also had rent due two weeks ago uh, or a week and a half ago. So things are pretty tough out there, not only for your employees, but a lot of people, I would think. It's really tough. And I think for the first time, you know, people feel like we're all in this together. You know, a lot of people live paycheck to paycheck or have a very small, you know, stash of, of what it takes to pay their bills. And so, um, you know, everybody's perspective has just changed so much. So to be able to continue to provide food for our community was our number one goal when this all, all happened. Well, how do you do that? I, that's wonderful. But you also have to be at the same time. I know when we talked to John, he said there was about a month's worth of reserves to pay rent and the bills. How do you do that in the face of 
just all these businesses that are you've spent so much time building and been very successful, but the clock ticking at the same time for each one of those businesses. How is it? So, so were you trying to find a way to, and I think you did. That's why we're going to talk about Feed It Forward PDX that you're doing. Uh-huh. Find a way to kill a few of those birds with one stone. Is that correct? Yeah, that's absolutely correct. You know, from a business standpoint, this is a, a terrifying reality. We, um, you know, we were able to make our, our final payroll Um which, uh, you know, it's heartbreaking to hear that some restaurants and restaurant groups weren't able to do that. Um, so that was a, a, you know, first thing we had to do was figure out, you know, how to make payroll, how to get all of our purveyors paid, how to get, you know, rent paid. And we, we, we did. We had about enough money to cover us for a month. And so immediately I started having to, think about different ways that we could pivot our business to to not only keep our brand alive, to keep a little bit of money flowing in to be able to continue covering payroll. You know, we've been working with our landlords and, um, you know, getting a little bit of relief um, there. But this isn't like a, a one and done um you know, natural disaster, like an earthquake, it happens. And then you, you start rebuilding immediately. This is going to last for who knows how long to come. I mean, you know, when governor Brown said that the restaurants were going to be closed indefinitely for in-house dining, that, that really hit hard because I, I realized in that moment that this is, this is not something we're going to recover from quickly. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. And you don't know when that, that uh, ban on in in restaurant dining is lifted. What's going to happen with a second wave? That's the scary part. We don't have any vaccine or anything, uh, or at this point in time, any way of dealing with this. So you just you don't know the curve. the The curve may flatten out and end, but it could come back too. That's the scary thing. It's really scary, and to know that there's going to be regulations about, you know, distancing and capacity and how many people will be able to allow back in the restaurants when that ban is lifted. You know, restaurants run such tight margins and the way that we've found success is to keep every seat in the house full and create that that buzz and that energy and you know, it's an honor to have people lined up for brunch at Tasting Alder on a Saturday and Sunday morning and I'm just, you know, I'm I'm terrified that the the ongoing regulations are going to stunt the business we will be able to do when we are able to reopen. And then I also, you know, think about the safety of our team. People are terrified to uh, return to work and um, to leave their homes at this point. And so as new regulations are put into place, we're just going to have to take them as they come and figure out um, the best way to, to move forward. Um, yeah, and you, again, without a timeline, it's pretty hard to strategize, right? You just have to you have to do the best in the moment that you can do and then, then pick it up from there. And Renee, it's not like you all didn't work terribly hard to figure out minimum wage and tip sharing and all that to get to a point where you could continue to remain sustainable and then this on top of it. Yeah. 
So yeah. it, it's tough. So talk there's a little... so much uncertainty. It's 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 impossible to make decisions without information, and I feel like we're living in this sort of purgatory, not knowing what the future will bring. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping that it's kind of like swinging the bat with the donut on it, so that. Uh, you know, a year or two out, yeah, things will be a little bit easier. But then, again, like anything else, it does make you stop and wonder, you know, about the status quo is never something you can feel very comfortable with. Who, you know, people, no one in the industry obviously was thinking about a pandemic because then the industry would have mandated, um, you know, virus protection on their business interruption insurance policy. So no one was really thinking about it. Um, well, the insurance companies were thinking about it after SARS in 2006 is when they all changed their policies to exclude uh, viruses. So they, they knew exactly what they were doing. And that is just absolutely crushing. Right. To our and my point is that they, they did it kind of behind everybody's back when no one was paying attention and no one was really thinking about it so to, to complain about it but so you know we move on I mean, many of us have been thinking of earthquakes and tsunamis this was out of left field so as we go on in the future there's even going to have to be more contingency planning for what you don't even know is coming an asteroid let's do some asteroid contingency planning in case that hits so well, tell, yeah, us, we tell us a little bit about Feed It Forward PDX and what, you, what you're doing yeah, there. Absolutely. So, you know, community advocacy has always been a, a huge part of who we are as a company. We've had relationships with a, a number of nonprofits um, for years. You know, we've always been there for, for our community. And, and so this was a really natural a progression of that in a time of extreme circumstance. So, you know, in an effort to keep employing our staff, to keep covering our payroll, um, my goal right away, sorry, dog barking, uh, my that, goal right that away. That would be really um, fun if your dog prompted my dog to bark and we could just have a barking <laughs> podcast. Yeah, little uh, little background noise, the, the joys of recording from home. Oh, it's fine. Yes. <laughs> Sorry about that. So Feed It Forward is essentially a, a meal sponsorship um, program where we have selected four nonprofits um, that we have close relationships with. Um, and what we're doing is asking the public for uh, donations to sponsor meals to fill their their needs. You know, they've all taken extreme measures as the rest of us have to, to pivot within their organizations to keep providing the services that they can. Um, a lot of that means that there is no volunteers, that they are not allowing people inside their facilities. Um, you know, they don't necessarily have the safety precautions in place that are required now to safely do food production. And so I saw this huge, you know, need for, for their organizations to um, benefit the, the people that they serve as well as benefit our group and hopefully we'll be able to scale this up and get other restaurants involved as well so that we can kind of share that share that wealth a little bit. So right now we're working with Pear, we're working with uh, Rose Haven, we're working with Portland Homeless Family Solutions and New Avenues for Youth. And essentially what people can do is jump on our website, Toro Bravo Inc., or just you know, go straight to Feed It Forward PDX and 
make a donation that can go directly to one of those nonprofits. They can also make a general donation, which we can use wherever it's needed most to kind of fill in the um, the orders. And then we also have a um, sponsorship for sliding scale meals at any of our restaurants. Right now, we have Mediterranean Exploration Company open. We have Bless Your Heart Burgers open on 33rd Avenue. We have Tasty and Alder open. And then we have uh, Shalom Y'all on the east side. This week, we're opening Toro Bravo. And then the following week, we plan to open Tasty and Daughters. So we're trying to roll out another location each week. And at all the locations we have open, anybody facing food security, insecurity, can um, call the restaurant and let them know that they have, you know, $5, they have $10, they have $0, and they're looking to feed their family. And we will come up with a menu that, um, that, you know, can work for them. So it's, um, you know, it's a great way to kind of keep our company going to keep our staff employed and also get food to those in need. You know, I think so many people either just don't know how to cook. A lot of people are not, you know, up the mindset that they can stock up on groceries for the week and plan meals. And so providing takeout is, uh, is an important necessity for our community right now. And then, you know, there's so many people who are unemployed all of a the sudden. There's so many people in Portland who were already struggling. We have a lot of vulnerable people in our community. And um, I just feel a deep obligation to keep providing what we can and sharing that hospitality through, um, you know, sponsoring these these nonprofits and, and doing what we can to feed our community. So this program, Feed It Forward, just really came um out of necessity and I'm really hopeful that it's gonna gonna take off and and that we can really do um do a lot for for everybody facing this new reality right now I think it's important to note that it's something that can be done from someone's home without having to leave one's home right to patronize one of your restaurants that obviously so many people know and love, right? So they can't get there other than to get takeout. And that's something that, of course, people will want to do. But on the other hand, um, you one can sit at their, on their phone or at their desktop and place an order for some other people and feel pretty good about that. That's a pretty tasty thing to do, no pun intended for <laughs> daughters but that's a yeah. that's a nice way to uh, spend a little time and pay it forward you know here's the thing um, when this all happened personally I was feeling a big squeeze like a lot of people losing uh -huh. a lot of income and honestly <laughs> I learned something nice about myself it's always hard to find those things but the first thing I did was um, not a lot, but I went out and supported some of the GoFundMes that like Carlo was doing for Magna and uh, Nick Zukin. Just went and put some money towards those people because, the, you know, it may be tough for me, but it's very easy to step back and realize there are a lot of people that always have it tougher. So use what you can. So I think it's a great thing. And you're also working with... Um, stone soup as well to yeah. provide, provide some meals too. That's correct. And that's been just an absolute lifeline and was definitely part of the inspiration for the feed it forward program. So right away, you know, we, um, 
were contacted by Stone Soup immediately after this all, you know, happened and, and changed. And they asked if we would be interested in providing meals for the emergency shelters that were opening up in Portland. So uh, right now we're, we're doing about 120 um, hot dinners every day for those sheltered at the Oregon Convention Center. We've also just taken on meals for the Mount Scott um, shelter. So the county has a budget for this. It's not big, but it's definitely enough to keep um, to keep our staff employed. And um, I'm really, really grateful that that came our way. We've worked with Stone Soup for quite some time. They're a really incredible organization, and they completely changed their operation. You know, originally they were offering uh, a work training program for people um, that were, you know, facing homelessness or, um, you know, looking for a, a path to a better life. And we actually hired one of their first graduates at, at BYH, and they're an amazing group. So they right away, you know, had to discontinue their training programs and started working with the county to um, to feed those in the emergency shelters. Well, and they've also been putting some of those those students and graduates, uh, giving them a little bit of work and opportunity and at the same time. Exactly. So there's a little something coming out of that. I don't know. You don't have any. Um, so my cousin in San Francisco, who's got a restaurant called Bacon Bacon, he was one of the first ones I saw who figured out the um, killing a few birds with one stone, so to speak. And he was having people buy sandwiches that he would deliver to the hospital workers, to the nurses, the doctors. And I thought that was that was the first I'd seen of that. And I thought that was kind of a brilliant idea to try to keep him, his employees there and also do some some good. Um, I don't know if anybody, I'm sure someone in town is also helping to deliver sandwiches to some of the hospital workers, but that would be, if if that's something you've considered, I think that would be a good thing. People would want to contribute to that. Yeah, as well. well, definitely, and that's a layer that we'll be adding in um, to the Feed It Pro- Forward program. We were in touch with... Um, Feed the Frontlines, which is actually a, a national group doing just that, working with different restaurants to provide meals to those who are really on the front lines. I mean, you know, I think it's scary going from my house to my office. I can't imagine um, going to, you know, going to work in the ICU or yeah. in the emergency room right now. So we did. We provided 100 meals to um, OHSU through Feed the Feed the. Uh, front lines, and I'm actually working with a couple different groups right now to start uh, two different programs, one for Dornbecker Children's Hospital, and then I've got a, I've another conference call after this to try to work out um, doing doing that with other hospitals in town. So, you know, I think this idea of connecting restaurants and invigorating a small portion of the restaurant economy, which includes all of the farmers and food you know, supply chain underneath the restaurants to also keep going. Um, we're seeing this pop up all over the place, and it's just really heartwarming to know that there's caring people who are still in a position to give, and they are, are willing and able to donate to these programs. It's um, it's the silver lining on all of this for sure. I'm seeing so much kindness and so much generosity. It's, um, it's what keeps me going, honestly. Yeah, and I would say um, it's – just to go online and donate a little something in the course of 
what a lot you know a lot of people are having sort of quiet boring days it gives you a little there's something to be satisfied about in doing that too so um i think that it's helping people to exercise their uh, uh you know their benevolence and exercise just do something a little different this is what i did today i did i when once you told me about uh feed it forward i jumped on there and uh, contributed what I contributed, and it made me feel really good. So um, we're awesome. looking for those little glimmers of hope. So let me ask you, um, I know it's hard to figure out, but one of the reasons we changed the focus of the podcast from, you know, general backstories that would live on uh, okay. to a more timely uh, podcast where we're calling this right at the moment. So every moment <laughs> changes, right? So when we talk to John, which I think was almost a month ago um, when this can't first started. It's been this long. I can't yeah. either. I was talking to my girlfriend this morning and I, I stuck my foot in my mouth and how long ago I thought it was and it was even longer that this has been going on. So anyway, when we talked to John, he was, uh, you know, it depends on when you catch somebody. And he was a little down about the business and deciding where are you guys now? in terms of the outlook for your restaurants? What do you, how do you, at this point in time, not knowing when this is going to end, um, do you have some optimism or you think you're going to be coming back with a slight, a pretty, a very different look in terms of all your restaurants? What, what's, where are you right now? Yeah. Well, you know, everything changed so quickly. And I think that day you talked to John, we were both just, swallowing the reality of what was going on and like I said before it's so hard to make decisions without information so those first few days were just incredibly challenging and you know everybody reacts in their own way and and some days I feel great and I feel like we're survivors and we're going to do whatever we can we're going to start over we're going to hustle and we're going to rebuild our a restaurant group to what it it was before this all happened and you know some mornings I wake up and I'm like oh my god I have to convince myself all over again that we're we're doing the right things and um and moving forward in, in the best way that we can operate you know the first couple of weeks I just started learning everything I I could any information that was out there and available about the SBA loans about the PPP loan so that really consumed a lot of my time, and to be honest, it was terrifying. There's such a, a mess um, in in the entire uh, you know infrastructure right now. We do have our loan application in for the PPP loan, which comes with a lot of challenges. You know, there is some payroll forgiveness. However, if we can't open, I can't hire all my staff back. So. You know, I'm going to get forgiven on just the 10% of employees that I do um, have still on the payroll. So lots of uncertainty there and lots of frustration going through that process. We haven't seen or heard anything back from our um, EIDL loan, which is the, the SBA loan, and even that $10,000 grant that we were told would be available in three days. I applied for that three weeks ago and, and there's been zero communication from well, them. Not, so, not, not even a return email saying we got your application. So, no, no. and yes, <laughs> yesterday, here's the thing we're going, 
we're, I, we're relying on Facebook for information about government programs. So I'm on there reading people saying anybody who applied for that loan before March 31st needs to reapply. So, yeah. uh, but, and there's nowhere to go and find where to actually access your previous application. So that doesn't exist. It's all crazy. So it, it, it's really just a, a hot mess is the way I would describe it. I've, I've taken a few solid eight hour days and spent many, many hours on hold trying to actually reach the SBA by phone, which after, you know, being the 275th caller in line. I was able to get through only to be told that the entire system had crashed because of the volume of applications. Um, I was not told to reapply, although um, my attorney suggested that I did that. And, you know, I'm, I'm lucky that I'm in communication with some really great business groups. There's a group called Business for a Better Portland, um, and they're doing some really incredible work with policy and working with legislation to make sure that, that the small business um, world is supported through this process. So uh, I would definitely recommend that, although Facebook is where we turn first, I would I would do as much fact-checking and check out the, the Portland um, Business for a Better Portland website They've got some really great information on there about what all these processes look like kind of from the policy end as they change and shift as we move along. So I sidetracked you from my original question, which was, what's the outlook for your restaurants on this day and time, which is April 11th, 2020? Yeah. You know, I'm a survivor. John's a survivor. We know how to work hard. We feel confident that we're going to survive this things will definitely look different but as each day goes by we have to just accept that this is a, this is the world we live in now and uh we're not going to give up i feel pretty good about things all in all oh i'm glad to hear that so the day that i and i don't mean to keep referring to the, the day about a month ago but we also had craig peterson on from um ringside and he made the statement that I think that has really stuck with me uh, and provided some optimism, which was that landlords are going to have to work with their tenants because coming out of this, they're not going to be in a better position if they evict a restaurant that has had a great track record and has already been uh, doing very well before this hit. They're not going to find a better tenant afterwards. Uh, to take the space that they've been having trouble getting rent on over that time. So. Yeah, that's absolutely true. You know, I, I know that some businesses and restaurants just right away said, hey, I refuse to pay rent, and I didn't want to approach this situation in that way. We have great relationships with our landlords and, you know, developers in Portland, and I'd like to keep them that way. And we've been lucky that they've been really compassionate and understanding and have, have worked with us on some uh, rent, you know, relief. And, um, you know, it's, it's true that the economic um, ripple effect is going to last for such a long time, and, and there will be a lot of restaurants that don't reopen at all and there will be some restaurants that are able to make it through and um, there's not going to be a new wave other than maybe some large corporate chains that will be able to afford to come in and, and fill those those vacant spaces so yeah but that's not going to work in Portland we already know that no. 
So, I mean, exactly. Plaza del Toro, you know, don't forget what who tried to occupy that space a couple of years ago. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> You know, that was probably the the biggest blow. We had just built out Plaza del Toro in our new location on 12th and Northwest Gleason, and that was a huge investment. Um, We signed a 10-year lease there. You know, we were looking forward to being Portland's premier event space and gastronomic society, and now it is literally being used as a commissary kitchen for all of this food production. So it's probably the most beautiful space in Portland <laughs> that is being utilized to feed those in need. And, um, you know, there, there's a little bit of debt that, that came with that. We have a, a rule where we don't build out a new project until we've paid off the last one. And so our, our growth rate will certainly be as well, as flat as the curve, if you will. Well, you're not. You're, you're. You'll be happy to sustain coming out of this, rather than worrying about growth Absolutely. for the next few years. I would. I would think. But um, exactly. I'm a great believer in serendipity, and I. I believe that while this was not the plan that you had for that Plaza del Toro space, that in a couple of years you'll look back and say, wow, because of that, we were able to do this. And yeah. uh, so I, you know, you can't see that right now, but um, I think if you flash, flash ahead a couple of years from now, you might see where this uh, has benefited you in the long run. I think you're right, and and I think that the the true values of of companies and of people are really shining right now. And I, I think if we can give back now, I'm hopeful that that'll come back to us later. You know, I do want to mention that although growth is not our our goal and our priority right now, just literally staying alive is. Uh, Casey Mills, our, our partner and chef owner of MEC and Shalom Yal, he is actually going to be launching Mama Sesame, which is a um, small takeout operation. It's going to be housed in the same building as Tasty and Daughters on 46th and Division, and that's going to launch at the beginning of May. It is a uh, falafel bowl um, uh, restaurant, so very simple, gluten-free um vegan and vegetarian options but we are even within this pandemic going to keep bringing people um what we have to offer and i i don't know if we're the only restaurant group that will open a new location during the pandemic but but we've got one down the pipeline well, already you, you have the location i was just talking to nate at pips and they've launched uh, a new chai, bottled chai product in the midst of this awesome. so um, we all have to be innovative and, and come up with whatever we can do to sustain our business. And it's um, it's kind of inspiring to see people really hustle again. <laughs> it's necessary. Well, and one of the things that is um, characteristic of people in the industry is that you are hustlers and you're all hard workers. There aren't any people, any people I know in the Portland restaurant world that aren't very passionate about what they do. Those that I, those few that I met over the years who weren't very passionate are gone. So, um, so that is a characteristic and that is, I think what's going to help, um, drive and motivate all of you and all of the, um, supportive dining community in Portland to do what they can through this. And then afterwards 
to uh, get back into the swing of things. Boy, I'll tell you what, I look on my uh, Facebook memories feed, and not only do uh-huh. am I looking at right now a trip to Australia we did last year with with Nolan from Proud Mary, but I see these, you know, three and four and five years back, you know, visiting various restaurants with friends. We did a, we did a, um, a uh, tartar crawl for the podcast, uh, three years ago. And I just, I put up with Alex Frayne and, um, Natalia, a few people. I said, wouldn't that, it wouldn't that just be wonderful to do right now, tonight? Wouldn't that be, so we, not that we took it for granted, but wow. The idea well, of I think we took a lot for granted, and I think that this is going to be a, a huge perspective shift and change. People feel that need to be connected, and, and that's what the restaurant industry has to offer is that is that connection and, and that togetherness. So I'm, I'm hopeful that, you know, our supporters will, will be coming back in, um, in droves to, to celebrate um, – being together again when this is all over. You know, on both sides of the coin, I'm thinking of, while you're saying that, and after what I just mentioned, I'm thinking, well, that that t- not taking things for granted may last about a, a year or so, I would think. But actually, it'll be good to get back to the point where we don't have to thoroughly appreciate every opportunity. We wanted to get back to where it was where we just went out. And we met, and that, that, that was life as usual. So uh, on one hand, we, we surely want to appreciate everything we do. And I like to think, at least personally, there are so many moments in my life, even at any restaurant, just, uh, you know, visiting Tasty and Sons and talking to John behind the counter was one of the things that just energized me to start Portland Food Adventures. So those things, appreciating those, you can't do something like that unless you appreciate it and see it. So um, I like to think that there were lots of moments of appreciation, but then others where it's like, oh, going out another night. Do I want to go here? Do I want to go there? I'll go anywhere right now. Anywhere would be awesome. So. Oh, exactly. All right, Renee, listen, I know you're really busy right now, so I can't thank you enough for taking time on a Saturday morning. I can't thank you enough for your support of not only the podcast, but uh, Portland Food Adventures over the years, um, right from when it started, when it first started to today. So you have been really wonderful and still are, and it shows in what you're doing on a daily basis right now through this uh, really difficult time. And here, I think you sound pretty positive this morning. That's really nice to hear. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling good. This is what it is, and we just got to keep going. And, um, you know, my, my goal is to just continue offering the hospitality that we can to all of Portland through this. And we're, we're resilient and, and, you know, hardworking people, and we'll come together and, and we'll survive. So the last thing, uh, we mentioned it before, but just to remind everybody, they go to where to access all of the opportunities to eat themselves or to help donate to feed other people? Best place to find uh, everything that we're doing in response to this COVID-19 crisis is to go to torobravoinc.com slash feeditforward. Okay. And I assume they can just go to Toro Brado Inc. 
torabravoinc.com and they'll find the feed it forward link there too absolutely yep absolutely all right fantastic thank you so much just one thing is anybody going to be doing any cooking classes i've been enjoying a lot of that online (laughs) yeah you know i think uh if things settle down a little bit more or if things take a a turn for the worse and we are forced to stay home more than we'll launch uh something like that one thing I do have coming down the pipeline is some uh, virtual um, sit, sit at Jeremy's virtual bar. So we'll be doing some FaceTime live videos where uh, we'll be making some cocktails and uh, just kind of hanging out with our with our audience. And I'd love to incorporate some uh, some cooking classes into that as well. That would be great. I'm having fun. I was watching Vitaly and Gabriel and. Rucker and uh, of course Javier Canteras is doing some really nicely produced little sh- they're a little shorter so less time invested um, yeah. but uh, he made he did one making a tortilla was fantastic so I don't know if you oh, have time fantastic. to see any of that but I'm sure you of all people might enjoy uh, Javier's tortilla I'll check it out for sure. All right. Thank you so much, Renee. Say hi to John and everybody else within the organization. And uh, we will hope to see you soon. Definitely. Thanks so much for the call. I really appreciate the time. Oh, thank you for doing it. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it myself. Uh, Take care. Have a good, have a uh, fine uh, 15 minutes to relax today to do something that you, uh, that, that you don't have to do. (laughs) Good advice. Will do. And everybody stay safe out there. Okay, great. Bye. Thanks, Chris. This has been Right at the Fork with your host, Chris Angelus from Portland Food Adventures, and I'm Court Johnson. This podcast is supported by Zupan's Markets, the Toro Bravo Inc. Restaurant Group, and Ringside Steakhouse. You can support the Toro Bravo Inc. Restaurant Group by ordering takeout at some of their locations or by simply purchasing a gift card to use later. You can find out which restaurants are open for to-go orders and get those gift cards at torobravoinc.com. Ringside Steakhouse, a Portland institution for over 75 years, is looking forward to serving you again soon. In the meantime, you can purchase gift cards on their website where they're now offering bonus gift cards. For example, if you purchase a $300 e-gift card, you'll receive a $50 bonus dining gift card. And with the purchase of a $500 e-gift card, you'll get a $100 bonus dining card. You can get full details at ringsidesteakhouse.com. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. Right